0: PR Connections Radio presents. Welcome to the 15-Minute Mediator Podcast. My name is Nancy Gabriel, and I'm the owner of Mediation Around the Table. As a mediator, I help people in conflict come to their own resolution. I do this by facilitating conversations between the parties and asking questions that require them to actually listen to each other. Candidates for mediation are people who are more interested in coming up with solutions than they are in being right. If you think I might be of help to you in your situation, I encourage you to visit my website, MediationAroundTheTable.com, and learn more about the services I've been providing to the Southern Nevada community since 2012. Thank you, and stay tuned for the podcast. Who Gets Grandma's Yellow Pie Plate? I wish I could take credit for this clever title, but it's not mine. Years ago, I participated in a workshop of the same name that was conducted online by the University of Minnesota. They own the rights to that name, not me. But I've taken all my notes from the lengthy workshop and condensed them into this 15-minute mediator podcast. So let's get started. In my 12 years of practice as a family mediator, I've encountered many feuds concerning the last wishes of a deceased parent or grandparent. Attorneys handle the big things, your real estate, retirement accounts, stock portfolio, life insurance policies, and other major assets for which beneficiaries are typically designated in advance, usually by a will or a trust. But what about your personal property? And by personal property, I mean the things you've acquired over your lifetime. Are your adult kids going to fight over your record album collection or your Christmas tree ornaments? Are they going to stop speaking to each other because one of them got your tools and the other got your golf clubs? What seems like minimal or even petty problems can divide families apart after your death. Wanna hear an example? Let me tell you about the Partridge family. The five adult kids met with me a couple of years after their mother died, because they had been fighting over the cost to store their mother's things, including a baby grand piano. I asked the family to bring in a list of the items that were actually being stored, along with copies of the storage bills. When they came to my office, it was clear that there was some tension in the room. Nevertheless, we got right to work and discussed each item on the list. Most of the things were divvied up pretty quickly, including reimbursement for the storage fees. But when it came to discussing the piano, I learned that the two brothers were at an impasse because they both wanted it. Danny Partridge had two kids who wanted to take piano lessons, but brother Keith had the bigger house and therefore more room to to house the baby grand piano. The conflict ended when the family agreed that Keith would get the piano with the proviso that Danny's kids could come over three days a week after school to practice on it. If only their mother, Shirley Partridge, had told her kids who she wanted to have her baby grand piano after her death, the kids could have saved thousands of dollars on storage fees, not to mention avoiding the sibling resentment that fed into the situation. If you have stuff that means something to you and you wanna avoid your kids fighting over that stuff, it's important to have a conversation or a few conversations with your family members. So let me ask you this, are you avoiding the talk because you think no one will listen? You think you're too young to worry about your own death? You're concerned that the dynamics of your family will be altered forever? You have too many other issues to deal with? You know for sure that your family members are uncomfortable talking about their feelings? You think you have nothing of value. You're 100% certain it won't be a problem in your family. You're afraid that past conflicts and or sibling rivalries will resurface. You're superstitious about talking about death. You're concerned that your family might think you're dying. If one or more of these questions resonates with you, then let me give you some suggestions about how to get this conversation started. Obviously, I recommend that you call for a family meeting, but before you do, I want you to consider your goals. What do you want to accomplish by way of calling your family together? Is it to preserve memories? Is it to avoid future conflict? Or maybe it's for your own peace of mind. While keeping your goals in mind, the next step is to get in touch with your family. A mass email is probably the easiest way to do this. So tell them why you want to schedule the meeting, ask them to reply all, suggesting a few acceptable dates, times, and locations for the meeting, set a time limit, keep the subject matter lighthearted, and after all, this is about listening to each other in order to avoid conflict later. Once the scheduling has been handled, let's jump ahead to the actual meeting. You are in charge, so take some time in advance to know what you want to bring up. Write it down. You might want to begin by reiterating why you want to have this conversation. Why now? What are your concerns? And what do you hope will be achieved? Even though it might seem awkward, rehearse this on your own a few times in front of a mirror. Remember to start your sentences with I and express your feelings. Try to talk about what you want rather than what you don't want. Stay focused. Your family is most likely going to have questions for you. So be prepared to respond to them clearly and concisely. If you don't completely understand the question, ask for more detail. And if your family is uncomfortable with this whole subject, you can make it easier on them with empathy. You understand that it's a sensitive conversation. So ask each family member to specifically state how they're feeling as well as what they want and what they think is fair. When I've conducted family meetings in my conference room, I give each participant a notepad and pen. I explain that we're all gonna be respectful and let each person speak uninterrupted. The purpose for the notepad is to jot down your thoughts so that when it's your turn to speak uninterrupted, you'll be able to comment on what you heard. It may very well be that one meeting won't be enough. So offer some thinking time and then resume the conversation in a week or two. It might be helpful at this point if you created an agenda for the subsequent meeting. It may come to you as a surprise that your family members have specific memories about certain objects. So ask them to share those memories. Telling the story behind the item will serve to connect you all. And if you have a family historian, it might be a good idea for that person to write the stories down. Now, what if your family can't agree? I know of a woman who was downsizing, so she asked her two adult kids to come over at a time when her son, who lives in Chicago, was here in Las Vegas. She gave the son a package of red stickers and the daughter a package of blue stickers and then gave them 15 minutes to go through the house and tag the items they wanted. The son deliberately chose smaller items, things that could be sent by mail to his home in Illinois. No problem whatsoever. That is until the next day when he returned to the house to take his mom out for breakfast, and he observed that many of his red stickers had been removed and replaced with blue ones. Fortunately, the mom interceded and a conflict was avoided. But not all families can avoid this type of conflict. And sometimes conflict occurs when step parents become involved. Let me tell you about the Jetson family, George and Jane and their two kids, Judy and Elroy. Unfortunately, Jane Jetson was killed in a head-on collision about five years ago. Judy and Elroy were both married and each had children of their own at the time of their mother's death. Two years later, George remarried a widow named Wilma. He promised Wilma that he would take care of her and even told Jane and Elroy That he had added his new wife on the title to the house, the family home where Judy and Elroy grew up. Now, Judy and Elroy didn't really love Wilma, but they accepted her with the understanding that their dad didn't wanna be alone. A year later, George passed away and the house became Wilma's. Again, no drama, at least not until Wilma informed her stepchildren by email that she had sold the house and had moved to Utah, where most of Wilma's family resided. Judy and Elroy were both furious and upset, not because Wilma received several hundred thousand dollars of equity when she sold the home. They understood and respected their dad's wishes that his wife would be taken care of, and believe it or not, they truly didn't care about the money. However, they were furious with Wilma for taking all of the stuff from inside of the house. Their mother's quilts, their childhood photo albums, and other items of sentimental value to Judy and Elroy, and not to their stepmother. But instead of having a conversation with Wilma, they hired an attorney who wrote Wilma a letter threatening to sue her as a result of her unilateral action to sell the house and take its contents with her to Utah. Judy and Elroy knew they really didn't have a leg to stand on legally, but they were angry. Wilma, an elderly and not terribly sophisticated woman, was terrified. She thought that Judy and Elroy were going to go to her new residence in Utah and take everything away. She feared that they'd leave her with nothing, not even a plate, a coffee mug, or a fork. Fortunately, the family thought to pursue mediation and reached out to me. The four of us met via Zoom and didn't the Jetsons predict this technology? And each of them had an opportunity to share their goals and their concerns. Judy and Elroy told Wilma that all they wanted were some mementos of their childhood, like photo albums, quilts made by their mom, their prom pictures, and their report cards. And they also wanted to retrieve their parents' wedding album. But that never got communicated until I got all three of them on the Zoom call. So many hurt feelings, anxiety, and sleepless nights could have been avoided, If George and his new wife simply talked to the adult kids before he passed away about their intentions and their concerns. In the examples I've shared, conflicts happen when the families didn't discuss and or agree on who gets what. But what if your kids don't want your stuff? What if they're minimalists? What if their lifestyle doesn't lend itself to collectibles? What if you're putting them in an awkward position of taking ownership of something they'll simply donate or throw away later? It's important to remember that when sentiments and memories are attached to the things, it becomes more about the feelings and less about the collectibles. So how can everyone navigate the downsizing process with sensitivity? Let me tell you one last story, and it's literally about stories. I have been taking questions from seniors who were attending my yellow pie plate presentation a few years ago when one widow raised her hand. She told me she had collected Hummel figurines for more than 30 years and now that she's downsizing, she discovered that her two adult sons didn't want them. She asked me what she should do with the collection. I suggested that she take a picture of each figurine and write a couple of sentences about the story behind each, as well as when and where she bought it. Then she could create a little scrapbook for her sons with help from the people in the Walgreens photo department. She loved the idea. My point is this, make sure the stories survive the stuff. So hang on to the stories and let go of the stuff. I wanna take another moment to talk about some possible consequences if you choose not to talk to your family about your personal property. The most obvious, as well as the most time-consuming and costly is probate litigation. Get yourself into an estate planning attorney's office if you haven't already done so, and figure out how your family can avoid probate after you pass away. In addition to handling your major assets, you can create a list of what's referred to as specific bequests. Write down who you want to receive your wedding ring and who you want to receive your grandmother's sterling silver tea set. And remember, it's your stuff, so the ultimate decision is yours. You also have the absolute right to decide whether or not to share your list. If you choose not to, make sure that your attorney or someone who is not a beneficiary to your estate is responsible for holding onto this list and then let your family members know who you've chosen to be the custodian of it. As a mediator who loves her job, I'm here to help your family resolve conflict. But the truth is I'd rather not. Family conflicts can be avoided by open, honest, and respectful conversation. Please try it on your own first. You might be pleasantly surprised by the results. And if not, let me know. If you want a printout of this podcast, please send me a request by email to nancy at com.